What's up guys, Rick here and Charles Schwab Challenge Week marches on. That's right, the DFS preview, the, I don't want to call it, yeah, the flagship video of this, of this YouTube channel, of this podcasting feed is out already. I will link it below. I will link it on YouTube right here. Uh, go and check that out. That's all your fantasy purposes. This video today is a look at both the betting opportunities for the Charles Schwab challenge and the one and done situations. That is a whole different beast that we're going to have to talk through. So much has changed. Um, so we'll talk about all of that. Now I'm going to be showing you the tools on my website, rickrungood.com that are more oriented towards betting odds, head to head matchups, the one and done for example. Uh, if you would like to win a subscription, a monthly subscription to rickrungood.com, there are two ways to enter that drawing. I'm actually going through and uh, contacting the winners from last video's draw so I can get you guys up and running for this week. Um, I'll do the same here. I'll try to get you up and running before Thursday so you can use the tools for this week. Two ways to enter that draw. Uh, if you're here on YouTube... Uh, make sure you are subscribed to this channel, the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Uh, like this video and leave a comment below with who you think is going to win the Charles Schwab Challenge. It's that easy. If you are listening to the podcast, uh, specifically on iTunes, leave a five-star rating and review. That is the 300 yards to unknown podcasting feed, or you can search Rick Run Good as well. That'll get you there, and I'll link it in the descriptions everywhere. Um, leave a five-star review. Way better odds that you win that draw because so few people do it. It takes like 10 seconds. Leave leave a five-star review. Say something nice about the show and leave me a way to get in contact with you, preferably your Twitter handle. That way I can just shoot you a note and get you all set up. All right, uh, that's about it for the intro. Let's jump into this week's video. All right, this is the tournament predictor tool, and there are probably a lot of new people who have never seen this tool on rickrungood.com. There are probably a lot of people who have used this tool and forgot how it works in the last three months because we haven't been talking about it every single week. So let me try to explain what is going on here. Uh, basically, this tool allows you to put in a target score of what you think the winning score will be in terms of strokes gain. So I'll get to that more in a second. So then you put in that target score and it goes through my database and it grabs all of the results that we have on file for all of these golfers in whatever time frame that you want. I have it defaulting from uh, January 1st of 2019, but I could in theory extend this out and go back to 2015, 2016. Um, so I like to stick with, with January 1st. That's a, that's a, good range for me. You might like something more recent. You might want something more long-term than that. Um, also my key, I don't know if you guys could see that pop-up. My keyboard is running low on battery. I don't know if that shows up on the video, but if it does, I'll plug it in. Okay. So, um, after we have, so it looks through all the results and it basically, uh, uses, I mean, this is really just, you know, your, your standard deviations and, and probability, the likelihood that each golfer can actually get to the target score. Big caveat here. That does not mean, this is not predicting 
how often the golfer will win. It is predicting how often they get to the winning score. So think about uh, Henrik Stenson and Phil Mickelson at that uh, U- or that Open Championship where they both went nuts. You know, Phil Mickelson against any other player in that field against almost every other result in the history of golf would have won that Open Championship. He just ran into the one time that someone else went nuts. Henrik Stenson goes nuts, shoots the record score, and and wins the thing. So this is you could have multiple golfers get to the target score is what I'm getting at here. Um, and then what we do is we take that target score and we compare it to the Vegas odds and we see if there is any value in those odds. So we say, okay, if Rory's going to win 13% of the time and Vegas has him implied to win it, you know, 11% of the time, there is value there. And it also does a really good job of determining which guys have upside, which is something I've talked about a lot recently, a lot about Kevin Na specifically, uh, because he has upside. Um, his his you know 98th percentile tournaments are are able to win golf tournaments. Um, some guys down here, you know, no offense to the I don't know Andrew Putnam's of the world. Uh, his 98th percentile performance still might not be good enough to win a golf tournament. So that's what we're getting at here. So first we need to identify what a good um, target strokes gains number is. So I'm just going to go to the strokes gain database. I'm going to pull up the Charles Schwab challenge for the last couple of years. I'm going to just sort by strokes gain total and kind of look at the winners. Um, So 2019, Kevin Na gained uh, 16.3 strokes on the field. Jordan Spieth gained uh, 17.4, Justin Rose gained 18.5, and and then 2017 was much lower scoring, 13.9 won it, and actually Chris Kirk won it even lower than that, uh, 10.5 on the field. So those were your winning uh, strokes gain numbers. Now generally on tour, 15 strokes gained is a really good number. That that will win you the vast majority of, um, of tournaments. Now you also have to keep in mind, you know, Kevin Na won by, I think, four shots. Uh, Justin Rose won by three or four. So they did not have to gain 16, 17, 18 strokes necessarily to win this golf tournament. So I I, I kind of like, um, and here, I'll show you that. I'll show you that really quickly. I'll show you 2019. Oops, excuse me, 2019. Uh, yeah, Kevin Na wins by four shots. So speaking of Andrew Putnam, who finished, you know, five shots back, uh, but so, so 13 strokes gained would have won it in 2019, um, in 2018, you know, 16 would have won it in 2017, 14 would have won it. And in 2016, 15 would have won it. So I still think that even though those weren't the actual winning scores, we can kind of stick with this, this, uh, I'm clicking all over the place, uh, this 15 target strokes gained. If we want to look at, you know, 17 or 16 later, we can do that. But let's, let's stick with 15 here. Um, so the way to read this is I have Rory McIlroy getting to the target winning score about 12.7% of the time. Now, Vegas, uh, based on his winning odds to win, which I think this book that I'm using right now uh, has him at 8-1, to one, uh, has it at about 11.7% of the time. So there is so Rory is going to get to the target winning score more often than Vegas implies him to, if that makes sense, but it is still uh, not necessarily a big enough difference for me. Um, 
the ones that pop out, Brooks Kepka pops out here. So he has he has three percent value, meaning that I have him getting to the winning score about seven point three percent of the time. And Vegas has his implied odds at about four point three. So there's a three percent difference. Same thing on Dustin Johnson. No surprise that on a spreadsheet, those guys pop off a lot better. There is obviously more of a narrative around those two of why their odds are what they are. They're coming back from injury. They haven't played all that well. But on a spreadsheet, the upside of both of these golfers is still plenty good enough to get to victory. A couple of other notables here. Uh, Mark Leishman has a value of about 1.5%. Matt Kuchar, small value. Gary Woodland and Justin Rose. Very interested to see Justin Rose here. Happy to see Justin Rose here. Um, my model shows Justin Rose getting to the target score about 4% of the time, which is still a very small number, right? Like winning a golf tournament is very hard. Uh, but Vegas has him only getting there, uh, only winning this event about 2% of the time. So basically doubling up on the on the value there for Justin Rose compared to what Vegas is offering. So I've already bet Justin Rose. So I, I, I like this. And actually, so the book that I'm using right now has him at 45 to 1. I know if you shop it and you have it available to you, you can actually get him at 50 in some places, which makes this even better. Kevin Na, defending champion. This is a really good example. <clears throat> I love showing Kevin Na, and I'm, I'm so glad that I have the spreadsheet up in front of me here. Um, Kevin Na and Jordan Spieth are both 55 to one on the book that I'm using right now. Okay. Uh, but Kevin Na's really, really bad tournaments are terrible. In fact, his, his super low, his super low floor is losing 11 strokes gained in an event. Okay. That is his absolute lowest of low floors. It's like his 98. It's like his two percentile performance. Okay. <clears throat> Jordan Spieth's two percentile performance is only quote unquote only losing nine per nine strokes gained. So his floor is higher than Kevin Nas. Now go to the other side of this. Kevin Nas super high ceiling, his 98 percentile performance is gaining nearly 16 strokes while Jordan Spieth's is gaining just over 12. So let me put that into layman's terms for you. If I'm losing you with the numbers, especially if you're not seeing them on the screen, what that means is, yes, Kevin Na's floor is lower, but his ceiling is higher. Yes, Jordan Spieth's floor is higher, but his ceiling is lower. It, it, it is a volatility discussion. It, it shows that Kevin Na can miss the cut and be the worst guy in the field, but he also has significant upside to go and win the tournament. In fact, I have his upside higher than um, Gary Woodland, Matt Kuchar, uh, Sung J M, Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Reed, Bryson, Xander, all of these guys at the top, their 98 percentile performances are not necessarily as good as Kevin Na's are. Now, you might only get that performance from Kevin Na once every few years, for example. Now, he has won twice in his last 18 starts, but you, you get what I'm saying here. There are different ways to actually choose uh who to like choose who is going to win a golf tournament that's a very specific task you're asking them for let me sort by value here the biggest value on the board are um dustin johnson brooks kepka no surprise there's narratives based around them and then justin rose is the third best value in this model love that lonto griffin fourth best i have lonto so these are very small numbers still but i have lonto getting to the the winning score 2.3 percent of the time Vegas has him getting there less than 1% of the time. Um, Mark Leishman, Sung Kang, Kevin Na, Nate Lashley, Rory McIlroy. Rory McIlroy, 
uh, a value. He's a plus side value on this uh, and, and has the highest chance of winning the golf tournament or, or getting to the target score. Um, but there's really only, what is this, 15 or 16 names that are on the positive side of this, if you believe the model. There are some guys that are really close. You know, Webb Simpson's really close. He's, he's, a, he's a small negative, uh, which to me says he's being very fairly priced. Now, that's at 18 to 1. <clears throat> what I would like to do, and um, what I would like to do is be able to kind of either show you multiple books here, which is something I'm, I'm working on, or allow you to change the odds. So basically, like I like my numbers are based on Webb Simpson at 18 to one. If you're getting him at 22 to one, it changes the situation a little bit. So uh, the next iteration of this tool hopefully will have either multiple books uh, being offered or will uh, allow you to update any odds uh, that you're seeing on there, which I think will be which I think will be really cool. Um, so that's the, that's the tournament stuff. Uh, personally, I, I've bet Spieth and I've bet Justin Rose. I've talked about them a lot this week. I will continue to talk about them. Those are guys that actually have my investments. Um, and then I'm looking at head-to-head matchups. <clears throat> so here's another tool that if you've never seen before, probably have no idea what's, what's actually happening. So let me explain. This is a project that I took on uh, that has been done in previous iterations by both data golf and Joe Pita, uh, where basically you use the strokes gained, uh, metrics to determine a probability of two golfers playing against one another for a four round event. Okay. That's the caveat. Um, so this is my take on that. So what you can do is you can pit any two golfers against one another. You can change the time frame and say, I, I only want to look at, you know, the last, um, last couple of months, the last couple of weeks, the last couple of years and, and see who would win in a, in a four round match and what that money line should be. So I can, I can go through here and, and update these and, and they're missing. So here's a funny thing. <clears throat> if you're watching on the video, there's supposed to be headshots here. The, the change in uh, the season and the data has really thrown a loop into a lot of my tools. So I've worked through most of them, but like on this tool and the next tool that I'm going to show you, I don't have headshots, but that's the only thing I don't have. So I figured I can still do this video and just not have it with headshots. I'll fix the headshots later. Uh, but I think it's funny that you know, you throw a, a piece of what a grain of sand into the supercomputer and it throws everything off. So um, I worked through everything else though. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. I, I'm not an affiliate for DraftKings Sportsbook. That would be cool if they want to hook something up. Um, and also, I can't even pl- I'm not in New Jersey, so I'm not even eligible to bet these uh, on on DraftKings. But they do have a lot of matchups, so I'm using them to to show you a couple of these. Now we can look at like Rory versus Rom. So R- Rory minus one ten, Rom minus one hundred five. If I go back to the uh, the tool here and I put Rory on one side. <clears throat> And I put John Rom on the other, and Rom might might um, might be a little unfairly, yeah. So John Rom a little unfairly um, graded in probably this in this model because his best tournaments, the ones that he won, things that he won overseas, there's no strokes gained strokes gained metrics there, um, which is tough for Rom. So like Rory. I have him at about a 64% favorite, which when you're talking about head-to-head matchups is that's a massive number. It's a massive number. You know, his money line should be minus 185. He's like minus 110. So like, if you're looking at this, you'd have to bet Rory. I will tell you, um, Rom and some of the guys that have more success overseas, uh, 
probably should be higher than this, right? That's that's kind of a I don't want to call it a flaw in the model, but it's it's something to something to consider. Um, so let's see if we can find a couple. Like if I go to R Rory and JT, I, I I'm sure that um, Rory is still the favorite here, but um, yeah. So so Rory is a similar favorite, sixty five percent over Justin Thomas, because Rory's floor is so darn high. Look at this. I mean, he's lost strokes. Um, in any given round, like twice in his last 12 rounds, and the, the two that he lost were a combined 1.9 strokes. JT, a little bit more volatile, doesn't have the same upside. So when we're talking about a four-round tournament, like Rory's a, a, a pretty good a bet here if you can get him versus JT, which I don't know if you can. So I'm seeing JT versus Webb. Let's see what Webb is. Webb is also a very good strokes gained player. Wow. Okay. So I actually have uh, Justin Thomas, and I'm, I'm surprised by this. Justin Thomas as a tiny favorite over Webb Simpson, 52%, which, yeah. Okay. So that is basically, wow. Okay. So this is always fun. When, when your model matches what the book's line is, that's generally a good sign that what you're doing is right. So I have Justin Thomas at a minus 112 favorite over Webb Simpson. Um, now this does not include the VIG, the juice. So when you look at, when you look at um, DraftKings and it's minus 106 to plus 100 for Webb Simpson, that is a very, very close comparison of what I have versus what, um, what DraftKings has. Now there was one that did catch my attention earlier because I saw, let me see if I can find it here. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, like Ryan Palmer versus Abraham Answer. Palmer's getting plus money. I'm I'm not gonna look that one up. Uh, you can do that yourself if you if you want. I I I think I like the Ryan Palmer side a lot. You know, he's a he's a member here. Uh, he's getting the plus money. I, I I would take that. Here's the one that I, here's the really one that I'm interested in. Harris English is a is a plus one hundred five tiny dog to Joaquin Neiman at minus one ten. Let let's let's plug this in. So Harris English versus Joaquin Neiman. This is a really interesting one. I don't know. I have not looked this up yet. Okay. So very, very close according to my to my um, model here. I have Harris English at a 50.14% favorite. That, I mean, this is a coin flip. This is literally a coin flip on, on paper. Now, when I look at this outside of paper and I kind of look at the styles of golf that these two play... Um, Harris English to me is, is going to get an investment. Uh, if I can find this on a book that I can bet on. <laughs> so, Har uh, okay. So what I like to do is I like to target really volatile golfers like Joaquin Neiman, um, who yes, his upside is that he won the Greenbrier this year for sure. I get that. But his, his, his floor is also that he's entering this, I think with three straight missed cuts. Yeah. Two rounds at Arnold Palmer Invitational, missed the cut there. Two rounds at Honda, missed it there. Two rounds at Genesis, missed it there. Um, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, five of his last seven rounds on tour, which I know was, I know was three and four months ago. He's lost strokes, uh, total, not a great sign. Harris English, on the other hand, three straight top twenties coming in. And then, like, and this is not a knock against Joaquin Neiman. He's 21 years old. He's going to be volatile. He's going to be all over the place. Um, I, I look at English as a guy who's got a really good swing, was playing well before the break. He actually, there was an event in Sea Island, Georgia, 
over the weekend. So a couple of days ago when you were watching this, and it was pretty full of PGA Tour, Corn Ferry Tour players. Uh, Furyk was there. Uh, I'm blanking on the rest of the names, but there were, there were guys there. And Harris English went like 66-65 to finish second at that event. So game certainly appears to be in form. Uh, and the fact that I can get him against a really volatile guy like Joaquin Neiman, sure, all about it. All right, let's go to the one and done, um, which I will warn you, like, the, the one and done is all screwed up now, right? Like, so, you know, there used to be four segments and the schedule and all this stuff. So now now it's like a sprint to the finish line. So let's just reset and, and, and talk about what we've got going on here. So I have this one and done tool. Now, this one and done tool, I think, is the only, it's the only tool on rickrungood.com that you can purchase individually. So if you want access to this one tool, it's $9 a year. So basically, if you're playing in a one and done tool and you just want this, it is also included in the membership. So if you have any other membership, you get this too. So I, like, I encourage you to, to go get the full membership. It's well worth it. But if you only want this one, uh, it is available to you. Now, the way this normally works is, um, and it still works this way, I have created an expected value from every player for every tournament that they could potentially play, where basically it looks at the uh, prize pool for that week, um, any recent results that that player has played at, uh, played there uh, historically, how much money they earn per start, and assigned each and every tournament a value. So let's find, like, I'm on Rory's page right now. So if I go to the Charles Schwab challenge, which is right here, um, the way this says, the way this reads is, you know, if you if you play this infinity number of times, uh, Rory's average earnings would be $293,000 per start at the Charles Schwab Challenge. That takes into account the field, his results, how he's playing. This updates every week because it, it shifts on how he's playing. Um, and then what the actual purse is. So obviously winning the Charles Schwab Challenge is not as valuable as winning the Masters. It's, you know... It's going to get you twice as much money if you win the master. So all of that is taken into account. Uh, then I have the, the season in review from last year and the season in review for this year that you can look at now just to kind of reset. Cause I don't even like remember I I'm going to have to go check and see who I've used in my one and done pools. Cause I, I do not remember at all, but if I go to the golfer usage page uh, and this is based on the, the gups corner one and done, it's a very large one and done pool on the internet. Um, Hideki Matsuyama has been used the most out of anyone on tour. Now that is because, you know, he's a very good player. He's easy to use at waste management. He's easy to use that at Torrey Pines, all that good stuff. Sungjae Im, uh, second on this list, has been used by 37%. Bubba Watson has already been used by 33%. Here's what's interesting. Rom, DJ, Rory have all been used between 31 and 32% of the field, which... I don't know, like, now, is that good now that you, like, you've already burned your guys, like, if you were saving your guys to the end, that might have now been flawed with how short the season is going to be, uh, because you're going to miss out on three majors, like, I, I, obviously, no idea this was going to happen, there was no idea to, to predict any of this, but if you, if you let me choose, I think I would have rather been in the camp that has already burned my studs than still having them. Uh, so just a little anecdote there. 
Uh, going back to this uh, full field value. So this is pretty cool where I've got um, that expected value number that you saw uh, is now here for every single player in the field. So Rory, uh, 293,000. That is the highest expected value in the field, followed by Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, DJ, and Justin Rose. Like, Dude, I'm going to lose so much money on Justin Rose when he misses the cut this week. Like, I, Everything points to Justin Rose. The DFS price, uh, the, the, the anecdote, the course history, the, uh, the betting odds, the one and done. Like, everything points to Justin Rose. I'm going to lose so much money on him this week. I don't know how to avoid it. Um, I, he's, he's everywhere. So I, I don't think I've used Justin Rose yet. Actually, I might have. I feel like I used him and he missed the cut at Farmers. I don't know. I'll have to look at that. But um, I certainly could see myself playing Justin Rose here. I could certainly see myself, as crazy as it sounds, playing Jordan Spieth here. Um, yeah, there's there's so many names to pick from. But just looking at last year, the uh, highest owned golfer last year was Paul Casey, 433 picks. He's not here. Jordan Spieth, 337. I don't know how popular he'll be this week. I, I bet you he's gain, gaining steam. Uh, Francesco Molinari, then John Rahm, Justin Rose, Ricky Fowler, Kevin Kisner. So the good thing about a field, and this field was completely different, right? I mean, this this is an absolute stacked field. This is one that resemble, resembles that of a major championship. I suspect that because there are so many names that are viable, uh, you will get a fairly even distribution or you won't get someone who's like 800 picks this week. I don't think, uh, I think you're going to get a fairly good distribution. You'll get like six or seven, maybe eight guys that are all picked over 100 times or 150 times, uh, just because of how many big names are in the field. So, um, highly encourage you go, go check on your standings in your pools. Obviously, if you're playing from behind, especially like find out what the rules of your pool are. If you're playing from behind, uh, be a little bit different. If you are out in front, go with the chalk, right? I mean, just just try to keep the pedal down for the last, you know, I don't know how many, what, what are there, 13 events left? 12, 13 events left for this season, and then we're going to go immediately into next season. It's going to be wild. So actually, that's what's even going to be even crazier. Next season, there's going to be like 46 events or something. So you're going to have to use even more guys in one. This The, the whole one and done thing is, is going to be awesome for the next 15 months trying to figure out what the heck to do. Um, I'm not sure I have answers for you right now. I'm happy to discuss it with you. Tweet me. It's at Rick Rungood. Uh, but yeah, best of luck this week. Good luck with your one and dones. Good luck with your bets. I'm glad it's back. We will talk soon. Later.